It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. We're calling this one the Thank God It's Game Week podcast. Uh, We promise not to waste your time talking about whether Tim Tebow should play baseball or whether there should be consequences for college football players who choose to own illegal handguns. So let's talk football instead. We're going to do that with Keenan Cummings from WVSports.com. He covers the West Virginia Mountaineers for the Rivals.com network. Keenan, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Gabe. And and yes, I agree with you. Thank God football's back. Never, never in Columbia, Missouri. Have I been more happy for a game to be played after the last, you know, 10 months we've had here? But uh, let's get right to this one. Um, What's the atmosphere going to be like at noon local time in Morgantown? I expect it to be a sellout, Gabe. I think it's going to be – it's always exciting for the season opener here. You know, people are very excited about football. It's a very passionate fan base. You know, you hear the term SEC fan base thrown around a lot when you talk about the West Virginia fan base. and. You know, going to some of those venues, I think that's that's pretty that's pretty accurate. So I think people are going to be fired up. You know, I think that the the, the tailgating scene's changed here a lot in recent years. It used to be kind of a crazy thing. Now the fans are really welcoming. You know, it's it's a whole different scenario than it was 15 years ago. I think Missouri fans that make the trip are going to have a great time. It should be an incredible atmosphere. We'll talk about that a little bit and what fans should do uh, in, in a few minutes. But I want to uh, talk about the matchup first uh, and. I've been pretty interested reading Dana Holgerson's comments and some of his assistant coaches. They're basically saying, we've got no idea what to expect out of Missouri. And I understand that because, frankly, I cover Missouri and I've got no idea what to expect out of Missouri. But how big is the, you know, element of surprise, the first-year coaching staff, not a lot of access to fall camp, and and we just don't know what's happening? It's a storyline, Gabe. It's always going to be a storyline. I wrote a story about it, you know, on either side of the ball. But I think in the end, it's going to be one of those situations where, you know, these are coaches. They do this for a living. They're going to be prepared. You know, they'll make adjustments. There's only so many things you can do on a football field. There's 11 guys on each side. They'll figure it out. But I do think the thing that is really interesting to me is with, with all the turnover for West Virginia on defense, how the Missouri offense, and we all know that their struggles last year, how they respond, how they play, because Tony Gibson told me he's watched tape from Utah State, Oklahoma. He was familiar with Hypo when he was at Oklahoma, you know, some Baylor. So he's watched a lot of different things in the Missouri spring game to help him prepare. But really, they, he doesn't know what they're going to do. It's a guessing game. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know what they're going to do. And uh, we'll start there on defense because you mentioned it. I mean, nine new starters and from reading your stuff. And, and for Missouri fans who are listening to this, go to WVSports.com. Keenan's done a great job all week. Covering uh, covering West Virginia all camp, but also kind of previewing this game. Uh, but nine new starters, and the way I understand it, there's at least probably three or four positions where uh, you're not sure who's going to get the majority of reps on Saturday. No, you're going to see a lot of rotations this year. It's going to be the exact opposite of what you saw to the West Virginia defense last year. Uh, last year it was a proven group. You know, they had a bunch of seniors, a lot of guys that have been in the program for years and years and years. You know, it got to the point where. You know, that 2012 defense West Virginia had was an absolute disaster. And a lot of people are fearing that this could be that, but it's a lot different situation. You know, th- these are guys that have been in the program, that have developed. The point is there's, there's not a lot of separation, though. You, you see it, there's a lot of seniors on the roster. A lot of them have played, but not, not a lot of starts. There's only six starts coming back out of the entire defense. Now, they've played in games, you know, some of them younger in their career, some of them last year, some of them at other schools. They have a couple graduate transfers. 
But there's just so much openness right now that he doesn't really have a choice at this point. He's going to have to play a lot of different guys to kind of sort out and and weigh out which one of those guys are going to kind of earn that spot throughout the year. Six returning starts on the entire defense? Yep. That is unbelievable. So At West Virginia. Now, they have, they do have some guys that have started okay. some games at other schools, Reese Fleming, Antonio Crawford. But out of the entire defense, there's, got, there's only six starts. But that, a lot of the guys have played. Yeah, that's interesting because Missouri's offensive line has three returning starts, which is the fewest in FBS football this year. So uh, a lot of inexperience when Missouri's got the ball. Uh, so given all the inexperience there, what can West Virginia count on? I mean, what do you look at on this defense and say, okay, they know they've got this? The defensive line. You know, now, now that sixth start number, I did not include the defensive line. I should, okay. I should very much make that clear. The defensive line, is that's the only spot on the defense where you know what you're going to get. You know, they have two guys that have started the last two years. They have, they have a guy in the middle that basically has been the heir apparent since he got there. Kyle Rose was the starter last year, but Darian Howard saw a lot of snaps. He's going to be making his first career start, but he's he's seasoned. He, you know, he's a guy that's played since his freshman year, has developed. The defensive line is where West Virginia will 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 get pressure, will win football games up front, at least at the starting of the season. Because behind them, like I said, there's there's six total starts, and, and that that's a scary proposition for any defensive coordinator. I don't care how much confidence you have in your group. Yeah, and if I'm – I mean, I guess if you've got to face a Power 5 team in the opener, if you're West Virginia with all those questions, based on what they did last year, Missouri's probably the one I'd choose to face. I've said all week, if I'm Dana Holgerson's defensive staff, I sit there in my base defense and I make Missouri's offense prove that they can move the football better than they did a year ago. Is that what you expect, or do you think there's going to be some mixing it up coming after Drew Locke? I do think there's going to be some mixing it up. Now, I agree with you, Gabe. I, I think they should do that. But that's just not been Tony Gibson's M.A. at any point. You know, he, he likes to bring pressure. He likes to blitz. Now, this is a different situation. You know, this is the youngest group by, you know, terms of starts that he's had since he's, he's been the defense coordinator. But that's what fall camp was about, you know, trying to find out his, what he could do with this defense, how comfortable he felt bringing pressure, you know, leaving his corners on an island. And they fared well. So I would be very surprised if you don't see him bring some pressure at times because that's just what he likes to do. That's his game plan. Yeah. Well, let's let's switch sides of the football. Um, you know, it's it, well one last one on defense, I, and I've covered both conferences, so I feel somewhat qualified to say this. In the Big Twelve, if you give up twenty-four to twenty-seven points a game, you're going to be in the running for winning the league. In the SEC, you give up twenty-four to twenty-seven points a game, you might not win a conference game. I mean. How hard do you think it is to assess, you know, West Virginia or Missouri going against the other one based on the leagues they play in? I absolutely think it's hard, Jay. There's no way. It's two different styles of football. I know there's some more wide-open, you know, type of spread offenses now in the SEC, but you hear it joked about all the time. Defense is almost optional. Now, there are some good teams in the Big 12. Defensively, Oklahoma, you know, West Virginia was one last year, but you look at West Virginia's numbers last year. You 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 walked away feeling, hey, that was a pretty good defense. You had five guys selected in the NFL draft. That that team finished, I think, fifty third nationally in total defense. So I mean, it's just two different leagues. There's just so many more possessions. So I, I do I do think that this is going to be hard to judge. That's why when I've been going back and forth, you know, West Virginia has been favored by ten. I'm sure we'll get into that later, but. 
it's hard to pick this game because you just don't know a lot about Missouri, as you said yourself, and, and it's hard to know about a lot about what West Virginia's got back on defense and how their offense is going to progress because that's been a roller coaster at times too. Yeah, talking to Keenan Cummings, WVSports.com, let's flip over to that, that side of the ball. If, if there's one thing Missouri fans feel pretty good about, they've got a defense coming back that was sixth in the country and scoring defense last year, has Charles Harris and a lot of guys who have started. So what, uh, if West Virginia goes into this game and can do what it wants, I mean, ideally, what, what's the approach for, um, from West Virginia? They, they have a reputation being in the Big 12 as they throw it around a lot, but they were one of the better running teams in the country last year. Yeah, they want to establish the run. Now, that's easier said than done. You're not going to find a group of coaches that were more complimentary of the, the Missouri defense this week. You know, they were absolutely shocked that that team went 5-7 and seven with that good of a defense. So they're not selling them short at all. They're not overlooking them by any means. The players said the same thing. But this team wants to establish the run. You know, another big focus of this group this past offseason was widening the pocket. That's been the catchphrase, the term around here, the buzzword, if you want to call it, widening the pocket for Skylar Howard. Last year, West Virginia really struggled in pass protection. And I know as a Missouri fan, if you listen to this, you're probably, you know, rubbing your fingers together, feeling great. That was the main focus for them. They wanted to be able to protect him, give him more time. There were a lot of times last year, I think Dana Holgerson said in nine straight games, he didn't call a traditional drop-back pass play. Wow. You know, just, just to scan the field because he was that concerned. They had youth on the tackles last year. They had some injuries. Basically, they've got all those guys back. They lost one senior, but the guy that stepped in actually started last year when Yadni Kajus got hurt on the left side. So they've got experience across the board, even with Adam Pankey, who was their starting left guard out for disciplinary reasons. So they've right. got experience up there. It really, I wrote an article about this this week, and Missouri fans can check it out on the site. It's really it's a battle of strength on strength up front. And I, I think whoever wins that matchup, is probably going to win this game. How much does it hurt that uh, that Panky doesn't play this game? It's tough to say. If you talk to the coaches and players, they don't think that much. The, the one thing that does help West Virginia in that regard is Tony Matteo has played a lot of football for West Virginia. He's made starts. He's played center. He's played guard. So it's not like they're plugging in a guy there that's green. He knows what he's doing. But Adam Panky was the starter for a reason. Right, right. Yeah, um, one more suspension and one more personnel question. Uh, West Virginia without its starting place kicker. Um, I, people ignore kickers until, uh, you know, they, they make themselves noticed. And that if, if you're noticed as a kicker, that's never good. Is, uh, is that an issue? It's, it's hard to say it's not at least a concern. You know, jo- Josh Lambert is one of the premier kickers in college football. Was a Lou Groza finalist uh, two years ago. It, set the NCAA record for most field goals made. So, I mean, he, he is a guy that, I mean, he got a lot of opportunities, you know, but. Which, by he, the way, he, is he not necessarily it. a good thing. No, no, not <laughs> at all. That's kind of what I was getting at. Uh, he, he, he is what he is. I mean, you know what you're getting in Josh Lambert. Now, with Mike Molina, he's kicked well in the spring. You know, he kicked well in fall camp. He kicked well in the open scrimmage we saw. That's not a regular season game. Right. You know, this is obviously going to be his first foray into actually showing what he can do. And that's a lot different than a 60,000 seat stadium with the game on the line. Now the coaches feel confident. He can kick between 45, 48 yards, which is funny. You, you take a look at it and he looks like a little kid. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. He's just a really small guy, but he's got a very strong leg. So the coaches feel comfortable with what he can do. He's kicked well throughout camp. 
but we're going to find out Saturday if he has to make a big kick and he come through and do it. Yeah, I've always said kicker is the one spot that you can practice all day long, every day, and you just can't simulate what it's like uh, when when you walk out there on a Saturday. So I, I've picked West Virginia by 10 in this game. Um, I think I read earlier on your site you're anticipating West Virginia wins this game. Is that still where you're at as of uh, Thursday morning here? I do think so, Gabe. I think they should. I mean, let me preface that. I think they should win this game just because it is at home, the experience they have returning. I feel like they should. But I also think this Missouri team can be sneaky good. I think a lot of people are looking at the 5-7 and seven record from what I've seen. Outside of the train wreck, I guess I can call it, that was their offense last year, it wasn't a bad football team at all. And they played a lot of teams close, and they returned a lot of talents. And they've added guys on the offensive side of the ball. They have, obviously, their quarterback working with Josh Heifel, who's done a great job over the years. So I really think this game could be a lot closer than even 10 points. I mean, I, I could easily see this game coming to the, down to the fourth quarter. I do think West Virginia will likely win, but I could see it being 27-20, something like that. I, I hope you're right because I, I, I've covered a lot of season openers that are against, like, Murray State and Southeast Missouri and things like that. I What about you? I love this game. I, I mean, oh, I hey, do too. give I, me a I, game I'm, that makes it feel like college football season is starting, not a three-week tune-up before I really have to pay attention. Absolutely. I love this. I, I, I love the fact that the one thing I can say about the college football playoff is, is that it's absolutely incredible is it's forcing these kind of matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, more, these are going to happen more and more. You look at the week one schedule down the board, I mean, even just as a football fan, not even a West Virginia or Missouri fan, there's incredible games to watch, and, and that's not the norm. Typically, there's like three or four, and there's a lot of really good games to watch, and I think that's exciting, and, and to cover it especially. You definitely want to come into a game where, hey, this is going to be worth my time, not yeah. necessarily a 50-point a beatdown where at, at halftime you're trying to make jokes on Twitter. Yeah, a good game to me is a game where I legitimately go in and say, yeah, I could see either team winning, and that's obviously not always the case. Uh, again, Keenan Cummings, WVSports.com. I want to spend the last few minutes here with you, just uh, kind of a primer for Missouri fans. First of all, most of them, I assume, are flying into Pittsburgh like I am. So Friday night, when they whether they're staying in Pittsburgh, going to Morgantown, whatever, where do they need to hit up in Morgantown? What are the whether it's a bar or restaurant, where's the one place, two places you got to go in Morgantown if you're there for a weekend? Well, you can get lost on High Street. That it's more of a, a younger type vibe, but High Street is a lot at downtown. It's it's a bunch of bars, you know, a bunch of facilities. It's great time. You know, if you if you've got some time to go down there and get lost for for more of the adult crowd. I don't want to say adult, but you know, older crowd. Mature. Uh, try we'll mature. Yeah, mature. Try out Keglers. It's it's a sports bar, um, as well as Mario's Fishbowl. It, it's a it's a great it's a great sports bar. You know, they got old beer on tap. The big fish bowls, as they're called, the gigantic beers. You'll have a great time. Fans are really welcoming. You'll you'll be really surprised because I know there's horror stories about West Virginia and uh, you know all the stuff that's happened over the years, but a lot of that is is just that. You know, you talk to opposing fans, they have a great time. So I think that Missouri fans are going to have an excellent time. And sounds like those are good places to maybe go after the game, early kickoff, after the game, watch some Saturday night games. Now, tell me about, and noon kickoffs I know are a little bit different, but the scene, if a Missouri fan wants to get to the stadium at 8 a.m. and and either set up or find a tailgate, what's the scene like outside the stadium? You're not going to have any trouble at all. Uh, The blue lot's right in front of the stadium. There's tents, there's RVs. Uh, West, uh, West Virginia fans have been known, you know, talking to Big 12 of, of visiting fans at some of the non-conference games in recent years. 
fans will welcome you in, have a beer with you. You know, you have a good time, really. I mean, the tailgating scene is is one of the better ones I've seen in, in college football, and I've been quite a few places. All right, last thing for you. Um, is burning the couches still a thing? Unfortunately, no. It's actually illegal now. Really? <laughs> yes, yes, you can be fined for it. And, and it's it's crazy that it's gotten to that point. But at one point, it definitely was. It still is a thing, but pe- people, it's you know. Just it's just not it's a legal secret. thing. Yeah, it's not a legal thing. That hasn't stopped anyone from doing anything before, though, as we all know. I got you, man. Keenan, appreciate you taking some time. I know you're busy. got stuff going on on Thursday, and uh, we will uh, see you Saturday morning. All right, Gabe. See you soon, man. Thanks. All right, have a good one. Keenan Cummings, WVSports.com. Really, guys, go over to that site. Check it out. Uh, They've done a great job covering the Mountaineers throughout camp, breaking down different aspects of this matchup. Um, I mean, we've done a lot of that on Power Mizzou, but I always think it's healthy and fun and good to get the other side's perspective um, because you're seeing it you know, through the lens of, of somebody else. They may have a different vantage point. They may know a little bit more, obviously, about the West Virginia side of things than we do. So uh, check that out. And um, 11 a.m. Central Time, Fox Sports 1. I don't know what channel it is on your television. It's channel 150 on mine. So if you have Dish Network, watch it on channel 150. Otherwise, you're kind of on your own to be able to read your guide. From two people who will be at the stadium on Saturday morning to one who, for the first time in a few years, will not, Pete Scannelberry, uh, joining us for what we're going to call the PowerMizzou.com exit interview on the way out the door. Uh, Pete, uh, so I guess it's what? Bloody Mary's on the menu Saturday morning now, huh? Uh, yeah, I think beer for me. I'm not uh, not really a big Bloody Mary guy, but it'll be nice to be able to relax for a game instead of having to be, I guess, uh, be on call like I have the past few years. Yes, uh, and for the record, college football season is one of the few times that it is perfectly allowable to drink a beer at 1030 in the morning. (laughs) That's good to know. (laughs) So that that is good news. Um, Just kind of want to, even though you're not covering it, you've covered the team all camp, you've covered this team all year. Just real quick, kind of your take on this game. Yeah, um, you know, I, I really don't know what to expect. Um, I think it'll be a close game because I, I think Missouri's defense is still going to be really solid um, like they like they were last year. So I, I think that's going to keep them in the game. Now, as for the offense, I just I have no idea what to expect. Um, you know, it, it seems like the players have bought into Heupel's system. It, it seems like Heupel knows kind of how to get the most out of these guys. Um, but there's going to be a give and take. You know, if the offense – is a lot better in this game the defense could give up some bigger plays I mean you got to think back last year teams didn't really need to attack Missouri's defense that much because they knew that Missouri's offense wasn't moving the ball if that changes there's a certain give and take there so I I think it'll be a good game I think it'll be a close game I I think that 10 point spread is a little misleading Um, but the fact remains you know like I'm sure you've talked about Missouri's going to have to score in the high 20s to have a shot to win this game so you don't think 13.4 gets it done huh no, I, I do not. <laughs> I don't think even with how good this defense could be, they're not going to hold West Virginia to under 13 points. Yeah, for for those who don't know, that was Missouri's scoring average last year, 127th out of 128 teams in America. Nowhere to go but up. All right, we're just going to take a, uh, a little trip down memory lane over the last eight years. Do you remember the first Missouri game you covered? Any uh, idea? I, I'm sure it was some rummy. 
Right. It was. Uh, oh yeah, it would have been Illinois in uh, fall of 2009. That was yeah. That was the second to last year that they opened up with Illinois. So yeah, in St. Louis, that was the first one. Blaine Gabbert's first game. Yes, that was Blaine Gabbert's first game. Yeah, and man, expectations were so high after that game. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a minute then. Um, I, it, does one? It, I don't care whether it's home game, away game, whatever. Any game that that you've covered that you look back on, and and that's kind of. That's kind of the one that sticks out to you. Uh, I think two. I mean, certainly the uh, the home game. Oh, let's go three. The homecoming in 2010 when they beat Oklahoma, who was number one in the BCS at the time. I mean, that certainly sticks out. That's definitely the most electric home game I've ever seen. Even even being in college at Mizzou uh, for 2007, that was probably the most electric game. Uh, another one in the positive chart would be Georgia in 2013. Um, I mean, that game was just so wild with. Missouri running out to a big lead, Franklin's injury, Mott comes in, the double pass. I mean, that was the game that kind of solidified Missouri as the East favorite that year, and that was a hell of a game to cover. And then in the negative column, one that will always stick with me would be Texas Tech in 2010. Uh, You know, just two weeks, just two weeks after that Oklahoma game, and Missouri gets out to a 14-point lead, and uh, it looks like, you know, they'll still be on track to, to win the East, or excuse me, win the Big 12 North. And then everything kind of fell apart from there. It was just a miserable night, and interviews after that game were just completely miserable. <laughs> yeah, I refer to that as the Marcus Murphy runs 78 yards and is never allowed to touch the ball again game. Right. I think him and Kendall Lawrence both yep. had long touchdown runs to start the game, and then they just stopped running the ball. Yeah, we've seen that a few times over the years. All right, we're, we're <laughs> going to do a little uh, best and worst here. Best Big 12 road trip. Best Big 12. You know, I actually, that was before I started traveling for every game. Okay. Um, so this is before power Mizzou, but even going to Texas, going to Austin in 2008, no matter how miserable the game is, I still think going to Austin is the, the best, uh, big 12 road game. Did you ever, uh, did you ever cover a game in Boulder? Yes, I did. And that was fun Thanks, too, man. but I stayed in Denver with family. So I didn't really get a good feel for the, the yeah. town of Boulder. Yeah. Well, I had to take out a second mortgage to afford it, but I always ended, I always liked <laughs> to go in there. Um, worst big 12 town you went to. The worst Big 12 town. Hmm. Again, you know, I didn't really go to many. I, I would say ju- just for, for just emotion's say, sake, pro- probably Lawrence. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say just say Waco. It's cool. That's what we all say. <laughs> um, all right, best SEC road trip. Best SEC, uh, just just for, for my sake, I would say Georgia. Uh, I love Athens. Grew up going to Athens a lot. Uh, it's just a great town. It's a lot of fun. Worst SEC road trip. Ooh, I'm going to surprise people and say, I think Gainesville. Amen. I just, there's no good way to get there. It's so expensive if you fly right into Gainesville. So you got to drive 90 minutes to two hours either way. And then my last trip to Gainesville was just miserable with having to catch an early flight after a night game, meaning I checked back into my hotel at 3 a.m., took a shower, and then went right to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have also, I'm not necessarily speaking from firsthand experience, but I have also heard that that 90-minute drive can turn into more like 150 if uh, the person driving the car takes a wrong turn out of the hotel. Yes, you know, that, that definitely is possible, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, best, and we're just talking on the field, best Missouri football player you covered. Ooh, best Missouri football player. Um... On the field, I'd have to say Sheldon Richardson. Uh, I mean, him or Alden Smith, but I'm going to go with Sheldon just because of the position he plays and how rare it is to have a uh, you know truly transcendent player at defensive tackle. And 
he had it. It was a shame that that year kind of went to waste in 2012, but I think he was the best, most talented player I ever covered. All right. Now I'm not going to ask Pete who the worst Missouri football player he ever covered was, but um, <laughs> uh, best in your eight years, best, uh, best interview. Best interview. Uh, certainly Max Copeland. I, I know David Morrison, formerly of the Tribune, has a certain bromance with him, but he's definitely up there for me. Um, I have always liked talking with guys that, that aren't afraid to break down X's and O's with you. They don't look at you like you're an idiot and can't figure out what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So surprisingly, I would say Arion Penton is one of the better ones because he always will talk X's and O's with you. But in terms of charismatic player, um, definitely Max Copeland. Man, they all run I, together now at this point. I think point. Sheldon could be mentioned here again as well. But yeah, we, Sh- we never got to Sh- talk to Sheldon because he always got in trouble. Exactly. I mean, if we got to talk to him more, he would definitely be up there. But he was, you know, in the uh, in quarantine for most of 2012. <laughs> no question. Uh, and, and then I, I want to take the whole DGB thing out of it because we all know it's the biggest recruiting story probably anybody around Missouri has covered. Outside of that, just any recruiting process or recruiting story that – that either sticks out to you or maybe one you couldn't really tell when it was happening that you can tell now that there's no repercussions? Um, and well, not, not, my, my... not like you paid some kid to come to Missouri. There would still right. be repercussions for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. Well, I mean, I did, but obviously I didn't have a lot of money, so it didn't work. Uh, no, um, I, I think people on the board know about the Eric Waters story where he committed to Missouri, then decommitted told the Baylor site that I made up his commitment and then recommitted to Missouri down the road. Yes. So that was certainly a interesting, you know, that was my first year too. That was certainly an interesting, uh, uh, welcome to, to the recruiting beat. Um, to be fair, he did apologize when he was at Missouri and he was one of the better players I ever interviewed. I think I had a good relationship with him. Um, I, I think the biggest, the things that stick out the most are the biggest surprises. I mean, the Edmund Ray thing still just boggles my mind. What happened mm-hmm. with that kid out of St. Louis you know, had been committed to Missouri for so long, and then suddenly on signing day 2012, he just faxes in his papers to Texas A&M. Uh, that was the first one, the first and only one for an in-state, in-state kid where it was just a complete shock, and nobody, not even Missouri's coaches, had any any inclination that was that was happening. And so far as I know, has never been heard from again. I mean, did he ever make it to A&M? No, I don't know. He, uh, he I looked this up recently. He enrolled at, I forget, maybe a JUCO and in Texas, um, but then he was never on their active roster. I don't even think he played a season in JUCO and then was never heard from again. So, I mean, hopefully he's okay, you know, God forbid, right, but right. yeah, his, his college football career never, never panned out. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, are you going to, what's it going to be like? It has been 14 years since I have watched a college football game just as a fan. Uh, what do you think Saturday's going to be like? Uh, it'll be weird. I'm going to have to try not to tweet too much because I don't want to be seen as like the, the quarterback uh, from the couch or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's before the move to the SEC when I started covering all the games, um, all the away games. You know, I did watch some some games from home. I remember in 2010, I was in Atlanta with my now wife watching the Missouri-Nebraska game where they just got steamrolled in the first Roy quarter. Hello. yes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, – she made fun of me back then about how I was just showing no emotion on the couch, just sitting there watching the game because, you know, I kind of turn off the fan thing. So I don't think I'm going to turn back on the fan thing for one day or anything like that, <laughs> right. but it certainly is going to be a little bit more relaxing. And if I can say this, it's great to actually be able to watch the TV broadcast because they know a hell of a lot more than us in the, in the press box as things go on. I mean, how many times have 
we've been up yes. there and players injured tv reports it but we have no idea so it'll be nice to be a little bit ahead of you guys maybe yeah we find out a lot of things on twitter by the way do not tell yeah. me to quit tweeting because i'm six seconds ahead of the television broadcast <laughs> oh yeah don't worry about that i'll be streaming it too so i'll be even further behind i'm just going to try to stay off twitter there you go one <laughs> last one you, you brought up the move to the sec so i'm interested to know what you think just biggest story that uh, kind of the one that will stick with you, you know, that, that you covered here, whether it's recruiting a game, whatever, just biggest story overall. Well, I think honestly, even more than the move to the SEC, because, you know, so many other schools had kind of that similar experience of conference change. It was definitely the boycott last year. I mean, that was just such a unique experience and not necessarily a pleasant one. And, yeah. you know, even just trying to re- report on it as an unbiased journalists getting a lot of, you know, uh, anger spewed at you on Twitter from both sides of the equation certainly stuck with me. Um, and you covered that a hell of a lot more than I did, but just in the limited time being there that Monday, trying to talk to the players. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that before. And in terms of uniqueness, that's the one that's always going to stick with me. All right. Last thing for you, um, at least publicly, this is the last question I'm going to ask you while you're working for powermazoo.com. And, uh, it is only fitting, I think, do you know, as of today, where Antar Thompson is? Yes, I do. He is That's at amazing. a junior college. He's at a junior college uh, in Kansas, and I forget which one. Um, at least he was up until August. I know he got an offer from SEMO, and I think he has one year of eligibility left. I'm not sure if he made it to SEMO, but I did talk to him this summer uh, to try to figure out what was going on with him. And, uh, yeah, he was wrapping up at junior college, and, an offer from Simo, so maybe he's down there. I need to check that out. There he's you go. still alive and well. I mean, he's a, he's a good guy. Sorry it didn't pan out for him. You know, he had a kid and kind of took a step back from football for a while, but uh, he seems to have a good head on his shoulders still. Well, Pete Scandalberry <laughs> with breaking news on the way out the door, Antar Thompson does exist. And for those of you who are listening to this who aren't PowerMizzou.com subscribers, you're sitting here going, what the hell are these guys talking about? But <laughs> that's all right, man. We're trying to appeal to our uh, small, dedicated audience. So anyway, Pete, appreciate it, man. Appreciate everything, and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. Anytime. Thanks a lot, Gabe. All right, have a good one. Pete Scandalberry, hey, we've talked about it on the board. For those of you who are listening that may not know, Pete uh, took another job a couple weeks ago. He's leaving us. Uh, really, uh, tomorrow's going to be his last day working for us, but he'll still be around. He'll still tweet. You can still talk to him. Well, you can't talk to him, but you can follow him. I don't think uh, Pete would like me giving out his cell phone number. But anyway, we just wanted to give Pete kind of a chance on the way out the door to look back on uh, on his eight years and what some of the bigger things and and the guys he really liked covering, things like that. I know people always kind of like taking a look back. So uh, appreciate Pete doing that. Appreciate uh, Keenan Cummings from WVSports.com joining us uh, this week to break down the Mountaineers and the Tigers. As of right now, exactly 48 hours from kickoff. I fly out of St. Louis Friday morning. I will be in Pittsburgh Friday evening, Morgantown Saturday morning. And, folks, we will have you covered Missouri, West Virginia, the 2016 football season is here. We'll talk to you next Thursday on the PowerMizzou.com podcast.